I've recently I've recently become addicted to uh, virtual reality. Oh. The more interoperable the content is that um, describes these systems and allows us to work on them, the more effective the systems are going to be themselves. And at some point, it's going to become a requirement. Yeah, I think requirements that's requirements like that will probably definitely happen at the industry level. So we've seen that how we've seen that in 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 aviation and in rail. There's there's requirements, but it's incredibly difficult. Uh, because of the diversity of suppliers. Um, so if we stay with the heavy manufacturing, it doesn't have to even be trains, but like trains, planes, battleships, all that stuff. You can set requirements, and they do. Uh, but they kind of when it gets down to certain, this has to be a kind of a hierarchy because there's the requirements of how you're going to provide documentation for uh, the electric system or the air conditioners or the you know, air filters the complex, like brake systems, complex stuff. And then there's, you know, people who supply nuts and bolts and fan belts and, and, uh, things with very simple content. So they, they're not held to quite the same mm-hmm. standards. And, it, and it's, and it's interesting because, you know, as we both worked in that, those kind of industries, although they have these complex requirements and although they have these enormous challenges, the, the order of magnitude of the projects is so large that they kind of bleed an enormous amount of money uh, in and are quite inefficient how in how they actually do this most of the time. You know that yes, they put together the manual, but it's usually through uh, blood, sweat, and sweat yep. and tears. It's not actually um, a very effective or good system under the hood. Uh, and they there's tons of opportunity left on the table of how they could present that content in more flexible ways. Just everybody is used to the old way. So what I think plagues this industry is low expectations <laughs> you know I, I and we see it in in medicine we see it in banking we see it in manufacturing we see it in you know subsets of manufacturing like rail, rail and transport and aviation etc uh, medical devices the yes there's the way it should be the way it obviously should be which should be better for the users better for the company better for everybody involved better for the ecosystem of suppliers and oems but everybody's you know kind of become accustomed to the way it is and so there's there's no, it's the difficulty is that there is only a actual compelling need to get better once a few visionaries have set a, a new bar if no one steps forward and says i'm just going to do it better because i know it's better and i'm going to take the hit of developing you know my my stack and my approach and etc uh, to do this, uh, the all the competitors will just be equally. Everyone's on equal playing field of of equally bad, and so that we we all just kind of stay there for decades. I, I have I've been I don't see much difference in the way that I, I'm seeing organizations do content when, when I get in there. Sometimes uh, it'll be the same as it was 25 years ago. I, 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 there's very little that's changed, and that's because there's just not enough industry pull to make it universal. Like the solutions we do on one end of the spectrum of sophistication are like they're from another planet, from other organizations when we get there in the first place. So why, how can that be? Why is ever, why is there such a huge gulf between the haves and the have nots? So it's, it's, you know, man, I have like 40 things I want to say about that. Um, So 
first of all, it was a little depressing. <laughs> but no, but you make a real you make a I'm here to bring I'm here to truth drop the truth. Truth bombs, buddy. But like the thing is like you're not wrong, but the thing is that there's two things going on right now that are really really critical here as they re- they relate to this. One is expectations are changing and expectations from one customer experience in one industry are bleeding over into other industries. And I have I have a, like a little bit of a story about that um in um in a second. The the other thing is that if an industry is at a state or a set of competitors are at a state where they're not doing this very well, that is an opportunity. And that is a massive opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if you are sitting in a company or in an industry that isn't doing a very good job at digital customer experience around your content um, and around being able to provide, let's say you're you know you're well on your way to to modularizing your products, and people are going to be getting very highly customized, you know, composed versions of your products, but they're not going to be getting those things for your content, and that's the state of the art in your industry. Well, with a relatively modest investment, all of a sudden you can stand out, and like there's probably never been a moment in time in the, the digital transformation of the last twenty years where you can go and spend six figures and just blow past your competition. I mean, like, think about that. Like there are, there's probably a thousand micro industries out there where one company needs to figure out, hold on a second. The customer experience that we have in our like micro, you know, ecosystem here is, you know, pretty traditional. We'll call it, um, trying to use a nice word. Um, and we have an opportunity here to just smoke our competitors. And the thing is, it's noticed. So here's my story. So I was talking to a friend, I don't know, like a week ago or something like that. Um, and she was trying to set up a, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was, a, it was some type of a connection to um, some app or something like that. And um, something was going on. She couldn't, like there was, it, it wasn't functioning properly, basically. Like the, the app wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Um, and she actually said to me in the course of this conversation, they had all of the different troubleshooting stuff documented. And as much as I was annoyed, if they didn't have all the troubleshooting right available for me to go and read through it, then I would have had to call up their, figure out how to call up their support number. And I never would have gotten this done today. And I was like, oh my God, can I record you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like it happens all the time. But like the thing is like, so few it's it's so, so few times have I ever had somebody say it so directly where it was just like I never would have gotten this done like I would have walked away I wouldn't have done it and that she wouldn't have, she would have stopped using the service like legitimately like she would have stopped paying the money because she wouldn't be able to figure out how to fix yep. this stupid little issue um that she eventually found like on the last yep. like it was like the last the last troubleshooting option so like I mean she wasn't exactly happy about it but she fixed it and like it was an accomplishment and had she been in an industry where the state was you had to call and spend two hours on the phone with um, your support representative, like the garage door industry, um, our new CRO, Dan, loves to tell the story about how terrible his experience programming his garage door is. She would have just given up. She would have just moved on. I love the phrase, program his garage door. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, that really makes me feel <laughs> that we are in a different time um, than when I was uh, when I was growing up. Um so Billie Eilish, by the way, was Billie Eilish. Oh, yeah, okay. She's Something. you're right. She's she's a little bit newer yeah. than Madonna. 
yeah. a little bit, a little bit. So um, the, the I have I don't want to I don't be under the depressed. So okay, I'm gonna give you one example which reaffirms that, and one example which depresses me. So the I'm talking to Rahel Bailey, who uh, is also speaking at the OmniX conference this year. And she was telling a story about one of her clients who is, as she described it, listened, got out of their own way and just did it. And so they went from where they were to, you know, getting a headless CMS set up, componentizing the content, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, within a year. And then they had this thing where they're launching a, a product and they had something that wasn't, wasn't right. And it was something that was everywhere. And it was like a, an acronym that it was supposed to be an acronym and it was spelling out a word in English when it was supposed to be an acronym and to make it clear that it was an acronym and not a mistake. They start, they put the, the dots yeah. in between and they were just able to do it yeah. once and then boom, you know, it, it just went everywhere. And that there was just kind of like this, the, like how can off this party because it's just so much easier than searching through hundreds of files, hundreds of instances in, in times, several formats and just making the stupid little update. So yeah, it can be done. And when it's done, the, everybody involved is so much happier. Um, actually, I could give another happy example. We've been doing this where we fix the content uh, in the, the big pharma industry. And, uh, you know, and little, we're doing things like uh, simplified, simplifying mm -hmm. language, uh, componentizing it, like breaking it up and putting labels on it. You know, things have headings, you know, use lists instead of big paragraphs, like just writing uh, in a pre precise and consistent way, uh, in a way that's kind of web friendly in, in these components. And then once it's components, we were able to reuse across healthcare professionals and patients. And we were able to just add a couple more components for patients where we kind of come, we meet them halfway and we go, hey, we know that having this disease is, is difficult for you and this is a stressful time, Yeah, whatever. Like just small, hum small recognitions of their mm -hmm. humanity in their issue. And then, we're, then we tested that and the, the doctors were happier because they could navigate the content e easily and they could read it more easily. Like they could read right. it before, but they didn't right. want to, you know? Just because you're an engineer or a doctor or a physicist or whatever, yes, you can understand this dense technical medic medical pro like prose, but you don't want to wade through that. Like if it's just clear and readable, you like it better right. also, um, just like the patients do. And then um, the oh, there's a phrase for that which um, uh, Sarah Winters, uh, who founder of the content design movement, she says it's not dumbing down; it's opening up. Because a lot of people in those industries are scared that doctors will feel that they're not being they're being talked down to if you don't talk to them like with forty word sentences. Whereas doctors are like, I don't have time for this either. I got a job to do. Right. Um, and on the so, medical well, side, on. so uh, sorry, on the information side, transfer, making simplifying information transfer is never dumbing down. Like people yeah. who want to read at you know a college level level will go buy a book to read in their off time at a college level. Like nobody goes into wanting information and thinking, man, I hope this information is at, you know, 
is at a graduate level because otherwise I'm just not going to feel good about having access to this. Like it's never happened. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's never, never in the history of the smartest person in the world that they ever wanted their information to be harder to access. And this is, but this is the, 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 uh, there's a phrase for this, the, 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 tradition or habit numbs us you know it makes us more it just we make these bad assumptions we're, we're biased to just keep repeating things uh because there's these myths like this is how doctors want to be talked to anyway so we proved that was wrong um and then we went to the patients and we just 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 by adding these extra components that address them and we were able to ma- measure that uh they're when we ask them do you how do you feel do you feel that this content empathizes with you as a human being and we're track that as a metric and it went up by 180 percent wow like nearly double you know or uh it's it's uh sorry not nearly double nearly triple um from where it was uh so that's like you were able to use components and we're able to then measure the impact of component content and people love it but on the other side i as a user for example use it I, there was a, a story that I tell about using this airline that had a chat bot that allowed me to change their ticket. Um, and it was amazing. Um, and I used the chat bot and it was a hundred times faster than calling a human being and talking to somebody. And I changed my ticket. I don't remember what airline it was. I've kind of gotten <laughs> so used to, I, I don't know. I don't remember. It was so fast and so easy. I don't even remember what it was. Well, I don't I don't think I would remember even if it was slow and painful because sure. I have a variety right. of suppliers. Um, so it has to, it, we have to be uh, talking to somebody a, a certain number of times mm-hmm. where they have, we have a certain presence of mind uh, that when you make a change, I notice that you made a change. I just don't, it doesn't just become part of the wash of my day. That's an interesting point. It, it, yeah, because if, if I do have these standards set by Google and whomever, then when somebody else meets them, I go, oh, they're normal now, too. But when somebody doesn't um, meet them. But if I'm, you know. Yeah. So like, right. But the pain. thing the, the, the takeaway from all that, though, is not that like your improvement is going to be lost. Your takeaway is from that is that before it becomes normal, you have the opportunity to stand out. You have an opportunity to be better, mm-hmm. an opportunity to win. But just like all things with like all markets is that like it always reduces down to something which becomes normal, right? Like it's like market pressure, like the prices normalize. Like if you're the first one who can drop the price of something dramatically, you know, it's more value for the end, for the end customer, you know, you're going to win in that market for the period of time that you can, that you figured out a way to reduce the price, but the price is going to come down as everybody else figures it out too. So, you know, I mean, you can wait to do this stuff, but then you're just going to be normal and you're going to have lost the opportunity. So any last thoughts on composability yeah. before we, uh, we, we wrap ourselves up here? Just to say that I think that, uh, I, I, oh, another way to summarize it is when all th- other things are equal, then composability in your content and better content experience will always set you apart. Cause if, if, um, and I also like your point that if it's, if you suck, that's actually more memorable. So it's better to it's better to be 
uh, it's better to be excellent and not and not maybe get the recognition for it than it is to suck and be remembered. As yeah, suck. especially when, especially when everybody else doesn't. And that's why you're being remembered. <laughs> yeah. So I, th I think the thing that I would drop off here with is that um, composability is the future in basically all aspects of um, of products, content products, physical products, digital products, everything like that. Like it's it obviously come in different shapes and sizes. But at the end of the day, moving to a place where you're, you, where you're, the way you're setting up your content is that it truly is composable. And I think the, the point that I want to make on that is that there's a broad range of like structure that you can go to with content. And a lot of, I see people moving to like, you know, air quotes here, structure, and they're really just moving to like HTML pages um, and they're calling it structure. You know, it's like, you know, they're mixing together a lot of different things, which are going to be hard to pull apart in the future. Um, and I think that getting to a place where you're doing either the right digital architecture to really have isolated, like, you know, digital objects. So, you know, this is this thing. It's a person. This is this thing. It's a, a whatever, right, is really important. Or, you know, following, like, the really best practices, right? Like, don't be mixing um, conceptual information, like um, contextual information with procedures, you know, don't be mixing like, um, you know, admonitions and things like that, like where you're, um, you know, into like directly into other pieces of content, like being able to follow like good information architecture. I think this is really, really critical. And I think that the mistake I see happening in structured content today that is impactful for the future of the capability of being composable, you know, more than anything else is that people are kind of going to something that's structured like sort of structured but it's really just kind of like fancy html you know it's kind of like maybe like you know um like hat tool like help authoring tool plus and i think that's that is a dangerous thing that um when you start to get more of the true requirements of composability which is the ability to clip together different things for different cases for different users inserting some empathy in between two things great example um being able to pull certain things out for different audiences i think that you're going to limit yourself in terms of capability. So, um, you know, for my money, I think that, you know, a good solid data implementation for knowledge and reference content um, is always going to be the one that's going to pay you the biggest dividends down the line. Um, and then on the other side of things, I think going with something which is like, you know, a truly a good digital um, architecture around headless system that has good digital modeling um, is a solid choice as well. I think that you, there's one thing you can't leave out there, which is learning how to write. Mm. People have to relearn how to totally. write. Um, I, I have a client who literally said that they've been talking about snack size, bite size, Lego pieces of content for so long that they had started to think it was a myth. <laughs> it's not a myth. I promise so, this is not a unicorn. It's it's just it's a not horse. A myth. And that's, <laughs> exactly. And now they're, now they're so excited because they're the first the first department in this massive global organization is actually doing mm. it with my help. Of course, of course, as, <laughs> um, many, as many do. Of course, yeah, <laughs> as many do. So, you know, I helped them get there and now they're going, it's, it can be done and they're yeah. super excited. But it involves really sitting down and examining not only the architecture and the fields and the models and how do you fill in the gaps? How do you fill in the content? People yeah, need help well, with that. Well, it's not easy. Um, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. But it's worth it. Yeah. Looking forward to Omnichannel. Uh, Want to give us 30 seconds on what that is, when it is, and how we get there? 
Omnichannel X Conference uh, will have myself and Patrick, um, speakers from, from around the world, all talking online this June 13th to 16th. That's omnichannelx.digital. No dash, no space. Um, you can find out a little about it. We're going to be doing some some raffles with uh, with Hereto to give away some free tickets. Uh, this is our fourth year, and we are super excited. We hope to see you all there.